Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I'm your host, Doug. Uh, with me in our virtual studio is Elliot. Hello. And also with us today, we have um, a guest we are interviewing. Uh, he is a writer-editor for Sot.net, our mother site. Um, his name is Luke, and he is from Germany, and he's going to be uh, telling us about uh, what's going on with the corona madness in Germany. Um, and yeah, I had the opportunity to speak to him recently, and he was telling me uh, a lot about the, the different things that were going on in Germany, and I found it quite interesting and thought it would make actually for a very good show. So I thought our viewers might be interested in hearing this because we don't always know what's going on um, in other countries with uh, all the madness that's around us right now. So uh, welcome to the show, Luke. Hi there. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Great to have you on, Luke. So... Um, Maybe we can start. Uh, Luke wrote an article for uh, Sot.net uh, about a year ago called Ethics and Fundamental Values in Times of Corona, um, which was a very interesting article. So maybe, Luke, we could start off with you kind of uh, telling us a little bit about that article, what you were talking about in it. Sure. So um, it uh, I wrote it uh, a, almost a year ago, I think. Um, so maybe we can get a bit into um, what changed since then, since since I wrote that article, especially uh, in Germany. Uh, yeah. So the basic idea was to um, get a bit uh, back to the basics in in this whole uh, COVID discussion, right? Because um, uh, what usually happens, and I'm sure you guys have uh, experienced this as well, um, that um, you kind of get constantly hit with these arguments uh, that um, it's really hard to to defend your position against it, right? So the, the argument goes something like that. Um, oh, um, if you do that, if you don't respect the measures, you're gonna, um, you know, people will die um, or there will be like so uh, X, Y, Z, uh, extra death, you know, on your conscience <laughs> or... Um, so how can you be so selfish, you know, just uh, your, your, your teeny, uh, tiny freedom thing that you uh, treasure so much, you know, um, uh, how, how can you, you know, um, uh, think that it's more worth than, than saving lives? You know, all these kinds of um, arguments um, are, are pretty hard to, to, um, to combat, right, to, to argue against. Uh, and even if you, you know, as uh, many people do in the Western world, um, argue based on the constitution. Um, so let's say, oh, we have uh, art, this article in our constitution. It says I have the right to, you know, I don't know, um, professional freedom and uh, freedom of movement and what have you, right? Uh, and you, uh, you cannot just take it away from me because it's in the constitution, you know? That's a widespread argument, but it doesn't get you far, right? Because... Uh, those guys with their, um, with their, let's say, hammer, uh, you know, the moralistic hammer, um, accusing you of, of, of killing people. And uh, uh, they, they will just say, oh, stop your legalese, you know, um, intellectual nonsense. Um, it's about saving lives, you know, uh, forget about artic article 2B of some, you know, legal text. And uh, mm -hmm. so it's not enough to, to just, um, refer to the constitution either you know if you can't really defend uh, why something is in there and and so that was kind of like my starting point for for the article to think it a bit through and and give people some some thoughts you know on how to defend uh, um, their 
you know, feeling and that something is wrong in their, their common sense, basically. And, um, and also to get a bit away from this um, kind of number games that we all play, right? Because usually what happens um, in, you know, with people that are critical of, of the COVID measures is that their only line of defense is to question the, the numbers, basically. So um, they accuse you of, you know, of being responsible for killing people and you say, no, I'm not actually killing people, right? So that's um, kind of like the, the argument. And so then it's all about numbers, you know, um, death rates and, and all of that that, you know, I'm sure you, you guys are uh, more familiar with than you might actually want <laughs> um, <laughs> after true. one year of, uh, of number games. Um, so, um, but uh, the, yeah, and so the, the next step would be like, um, apart from the numbers, you know, maybe there's something fundamentally wrong with that very argument, you know, to, to just forbid, I mean, to basically um, tell you in, in minute detail how to live your life um, and what you're allowed and what not. Um, you know, maybe it's something is very wrong with that, you know, <laughs> and not with the with the numbers. Um, and uh, so the I kind of um, started the argument with this thought experiment. You know, um, imagine uh, there there was a like a, a real deadly pandemic going on. You know, like the Spanish flu or what have you. You know, something that um, maybe would kill. 10% of the population. I mean, like really you could see it, you know, um, you have case in your family, your neighbors die and, and there's a real like pandemic going on. Uh, so in that scenario, would you then, you know, um, be okay with the measures? Would you be fine, you know, that the state uh, dictates to you, you know, whether you can hug your grandma or, or even visit um, a friend who's in, in dire need, you know, maybe for, maybe because of the, of the pandemic, right? I mean, maybe there's someone who, who really needs you, you know, um, or even like something totally unrelated. I mean, we, we know all those stories from the heroic uh, doctors, you know, in, in past pandemics that, you know, went in and helped people and risked their lives and stuff. I mean, and the same is true, of course, for, for all of society or all families, you know, you, in a situation like that, you, you need to have the freedom to decide yourself how to handle it and uh, how, to, how you want to basically um, live a good life or a moral, moral life, you know, what, what kind of moral decisions you, you want to take. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so that's kind of like the, the idea to, you know, w w how would you like it you know even if the pandemic was totally deadly um to have uh, dictated all that that stuff you know um uh, so yeah so that's kind of the starting point and then i um i go a bit uh, more into it so uh, we can talk about that if you like yeah yeah definitely i mean i think that you do bring up a very interesting point though because it is like it seems to be a tactic in arguments that people will try to frame an argument around you um, and kind of almost force your position, right? It's like they go in with the numbers. So it's kind of forcing you to kind of come back with the numbers, your, your counter understanding of the numbers. And I think that you're right that it is kind of just, there's, there's, there's no winners in that kind of situation, right? It's like, I think the numbers are this, you think the numbers are that, and then the, you're at a standstill, right? And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of impossible to have a position other than I mean, they see you as selfish, 
essentially, right? Because you are um, arguing that the deaths aren't bad enough to um, to warrant the measures, and they all they have to come back with then is that any death is too much. You know, any death uh, there shouldn't be any more death. If you think think it through, you know, all they need to show is that because of uh, you know um, COVID, like one guy died, you know, extra than would have died normally and then they kind of have you right yeah i mean it's 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 an argument that's really hard to win and um yeah and 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 as you say um they, they and i mean if you say like oh it's not enough you know death to justify um the measures then i mean would it be like how many more deaths would it need for for you to justify it right um, mm-hmm. if it was like thousand more would you then be okay with the measures you know mm-hmm. if it was ten thousand more so i mean how how can you even like you know argue on that on that level so and but i think you know um uh, the the underlying issue is that um many people and um, i think us in, included um kind of like feel in their guts you know that there there is just something fundamentally wrong you know with 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 this whole you know how these whole arguments go you know, and how, how all of that is uh, talked about and and i try to kind of in this article i try to formulate some ideas you know um on 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 why that might be and 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 what our western um, tradition is in terms of you know these kinds of values and this this hierarchy of of values so um yeah maybe i can dive uh, in, into it a bit you know it's, yeah. a, it's a long article but <laughs> yeah um yeah so i mean the, the 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 first thing to note maybe is that um you know i i kind of get at it from two different perspectives there's the you know the more anglo um world uh, philosophy um, perspective and there's a more um, you know as we might say continental or European um, you know Kantian uh, kind of perspective and but it uh, they they kind of converge um, on this point I think or that's um, how I tried to to portray it in in any event so um, for example there's this old idea and uh, John Stuart Mill uh, formulated it Um, he of course like is a um, is a famous uh, philosopher from the uh, from the Anglo world that has a, a huge um, impact on the thinking um, and uh, and he basically um, you know says there's higher and lower pleasures and uh, and I mean we can all I think um, agree that there is such a thing as higher and lower pleasures so there's a difference you know um, between like having a, a cake party for 24 hours straight, <laughs> you know, that's, a, I mean, that's really pleasant, but, uh, you know, maybe not the highest form of pleasure, you know, and, uh, and you have like, um, I don't know, like you, for example, you, um, to, to maybe cite in the other extreme, you, you risk, you know, you risk something for someone else, you know, and, or you, you challenge yourself and, and you come out, you know, you, you, you winning, you know, I mean, um, so something that actually hurts, you know, for a while, but at the end, um, you, you get some, something of real value, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's basically, I mean, we could, uh, cite uh, thousands of examples for, for this kind of thing. But um, the point is um, that uh, for Mill, um, 
that there was this difference um, between higher and lower pleasures. And to achieve higher pleasures actually often means uh, risk to risk something, right? So to um, um, which then, of course, implies that safety can, you know, cannot be like the the number one goal you you strive for. You know, I mean, even if you, I mean, the, and this goes back to this whole um, utilitarian argument that we hear so much about death. You know, and um, uh, so you you got to do this in order to you know uh, make everyone safe. Um, uh, and uh, so this is kind of like a game uh, to play, you know, what, what is in society, what is, um, what is really the goal, you know, what, what should be the goal of policy, what, what is, has the most uh, value. So, um, so, and then, um, you know, you, you, it's impossible to compare like um, a death uh, to something else. So it's, um, I mean, I, I try to, you know, make the point that you cannot, I mean, how, how can you like um, decide on policies and then you say like, okay, we have uh, here one dead, you know, and then we have maybe like 10 ruined families, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, so this is impossible to, you know, compare and you, you need to get kind of a grip on, on how to think about these things. And, um, and uh, so, with this higher and, and lower pleasures, um, the thing is that um, there is some kind of crit- criterion, you know, to put val- or ascribe value to something, you know. So it might be more worthwhile to, um, for example, to preserve um, like heroic doctors, you know, who um, get out of their way um, saving people and risking their lives, you know, as opposed to like a you know, a cake party association. <laughs> right. So um, it is, um, if you're making decisions, you kind of need like to, to value these things, right? And um, so, yeah, so w- what we can say is, uh, and I, I um, do that in the article as well, um, uh, you know, if, if a grandma, um, uh, like an old lady, you know, we could just um, put her on morphine, you know, in, in a care home. And so that would be like, pretty pleasurable for her probably but it's kind of like a lower form of pleasure mm-hmm. um but we could also but i mean no, nobody of course would argue for something like that right uh, uh, but what we do instead is we encourage her to go out you know um be as independent as um as possible and even if you know chances are high she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna fall you know while she's going for a walk and die you know i mean chances are high but we still encourage her to do that so we safety just cannot be the the highest value in in society and and we all know that you know i mean we all live it um we all i mean nobody would would argue you know for for something so silly as putting all people on morphine you know just you know because it's uh, it's safer than you know um, encouraging them to to be independent. So that's that's the the one thing you know where this whole death counting argument you know falls flat. You know um, there simply is it, it, um, avoidance of death and safety never has been the highest value and, and never should be. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, so that that's the the one part you know of of the argument and uh, and this brings us back to you know. Um, what actually, uh, why we ascribe an intrinsic value to human life to begin with, right? Because if we want to save lives, 
um, we are working under the assumption that it's actually worthwhile to save lives, right? And that each individual life actually counts. So why is that? You know, I mean, that's not like um, so obvious. You know, we, I mean, we could also say, let's, I don't know, have 10% die, you know, and that's it, you know, or, or we can, we could make like arguments and people do that, you know, like um, we to, for example, to allow torture, you know, to save lives or to, you know, shoot down a jet plane, you know, if there are terrorists on it, you know, if, because we think it might save more lives than we kill and things like that. So why is it that we, we value individual life so much and don't, uh, or at least hopefully don't make these kinds of horrible calculations, right? To just, you know, uh, kill people off to for whatever reason i mean there are good reasons sometimes for that but we, we generally don't really like that idea you know and uh so the thing is um and this goes back to to kant um the the reason you know if unless i mean you you will say okay it's just god you know it's in the bible or something like that so that's why each you know each human life is divine. I mean, that's kind of like the religious argument that people uh, used to make a lot. Um, but that's kind of hard, you know, nowadays, because um, if, if then someone says, okay, what, I don't believe in God, you know, and, and what, what, what you're going to say. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's uh, not so, not so easy. Um, but uh, actually, the Enlightenment philosophers, they, they wrestled with that point, you know, they wanted to know, Uh, you know, how can you justify this um, idea that each individual um, human being has an intrinsic value, right, that is worth uh, preserving. And, uh, and Kant actually thought that it has to do with uh, individual moral um, agency, right, so that people have the ability to act morally and to, to grow in their understanding of morality, I mean, obviously, people will fail <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, and but that's not the point. The point is they, they have the, still have the potential, you know, to act um, morally and to participate like what he calls like the, um, uh, the, 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 um, the space of the mind, basically the, the, the mind world, you know, where they can get to an objective understanding of morality. And, and that's what constitutes the, the intrinsic worth Of, of a human being. And uh, so we see here, and this uh, is, is the point really, um, that uh, the, the value of, like the intrinsic value of a human being uh, to a large degree depends on, on um, his freedom, right? His uh, freedom to act, uh, to act morally, to take decisions. Um, so that's an extremely important value. And uh, And that's the reason why, you know, in, I don't know, in, in the, I don't know any constitution where like the first um, item is, you know, the, the right to life, you know, or the right to protection or something like that. So it's always uh, about freedom, about, you know, the um, dignity and, and things like that. And this is really deeply, um, or used to be, let's say, deeply uh, ingrained in, in, in the Western um, thought in Western thought, and, and you can see it in the constitutions, you can see it in the philosophy, you can even see it in the court decisions, right? And so this is something that is extremely important. And, um, uh, and obviously, that's 
the complete opposite of this uh, death count argument, right? Uh, because it's all about freedom and, and uh, dignity um, and the intrinsic value of a human being because of, uh, of the, the ability to express uh, ourselves uh, in a moral way, um, and to, which um, implies that we need the freedom you know, to, to act as such. And this brings us back to the beginning, you know, uh, with the thought experiment and um, uh, how we would, you know, morally act uh, in a true pandemic, you know, where people would die left and right and, and, um, and our freedom, you know, and our wisdom to, uh, to choose in, in these situations, what we're going to do, how we're going to handle, you know, what risks are we going to take, um, and then so on so, and and so on and and uh, so <laughs> that was kind of like a long uh, winded argument but the point is to say um you know if the state denies our us the freedom to act morally you know or to take our own moral decisions as free moral agents as in the terminology of kant then um the state basically denies our intrinsic value as human beings and if the state denies that then the whole foundation crumbles because then the state doesn't have any justification of saving lives you know i mean because uh, there's no point you i mean the state could just say um let's have like 10 percent die off you know and save the economy so wh why would you even save you know human lives if you don't believe that each human uh, has a dignity, you know, that is uh, completely untouchable, you know, intrinsic. Yeah. yeah. So these so, are just some ideas, you know, how to think about these things. And, and uh, because it's, it's a very subtle thing, you know, that's why it's so difficult to defend this position, you know, that we kind of feel it's, it, it's something wrong, you know, with the very idea that the state dictates, okay, so you are not allowed to, you know, make music. You are not allowed to sing. You are not allowed to help your friend in need, you know, because you can't travel there and, and things like that. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically taking away the access people have to <clears throat> those higher pleasures, like you were saying, that the idea of, you know, self-sacrifice, of making your own decisions and all those sorts of things, selling the entire population that they are no longer able to pursue that and therefore aren't really living a life in in essence exactly. is they're kind of just machines at that point chasing base pleasures or whatever the case may be so yeah yeah and it's it's like kind of asking the entire population to make this kind of sacrifice like giving up your humanity in order to save i mean let's be perfectly honest people who are probably going to die very soon anyway yeah and um yeah, and, and you put it very well, actually, um, to this idea to, um, to force everyone to deny their own humanity in order to save humanity. So there's just yeah. a contradiction in, in, in this whole idea. And that's, um, yeah, as I said, you know, if you deny people their humanity, then there's nothing worth saving. So right. Um, right. That's, that's maybe like... You know the, the argument stripped of the philosophical tradition, mm. but um, 
I, I think it's important to, I mean, or at least I, I thought because I'm interested in these things <laughs> uh, to show that in, in the article, because uh, it's not like some kind of, you know, like strange idea. It's like mm -hmm. the very foundation of, of Western thought, you know, um, and, uh, and uh, it, it's actually pretty shocking to see um, how this got like, you know, with a stroke of a pen, like just, um, you know, thrown away. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. It's actually kind of amazing how many people were willing to go along with it too. Like, I mean, I think it's, it just goes to show how powerful fear can be. You know, it's that they, those, those sorts of values that have been the underpinning for uh, Western civilization, how easily those can be kind of just cast aside um, when people are afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how helpless, um, you know, people are who want to defend these arguments, right? I mean, um, I feel the same, you know, it's just, it's, 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 even though it's the foundation of, of the Western world in a sense, right? Uh, it's so hard to, um, to make the case, you know, if someone uh, comes along and says, oh, but, uh, I mean, what is that crap, you know, you're, you're talking about there, there are people dying over there, you know? Um, so it's, it's really hard and uh, yeah. Yeah. And in, in maybe in good times, you know, it's uh, then everyone kind of agrees, you know, everyone thinks they are, they get it. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, once the crisis like this hits, then it just goes to show that um, maybe people didn't get it after all, you know, they just, um, maybe uh, some authority figures, you know, s said it's like that. And so they went along with it, but then the story changed and, mm -hmm. you know, and then they, they go along with the, with the new story you know where suddenly all of that doesn't count anymore and so we we saw these kind of measures uh rapidly introduced many places in the world not just in the western world right but in in almost every country um or at least on every continent um however there were some variations with regard to how different countries of europe even even within the small continent of europe we had different countries reacting in, in different ways. Um, now, on the show, we've spoken about many times how things that are going on in the US, we talk quite a lot about things going on in the UK, maybe in some other European countries, but we haven't really touched much throughout this whole, um, well, it's been over a year now. So over the past 14 months or so, we've not spoken much about Germany. Now, it's interesting. I've, I've always, well, since all of this has happened um been interested in 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 the way that Germans as a whole would respond to um these kind of authoritarian measures um being placed upon them given their recent relatively recent history the 20th century right Germans have have been, really been through it quite a lot and you did speak about that in your article as well going through two separate totalitarian regimes kind of you had Nazism with Hitler, and then you also had communism in the east of Germany, right? Uh, and so this is something that we've not really discussed um, so much on this show. But of course, you being German yourself, and you've you've lived there, um, you've seen it play out. How I'm interested. How did Germany initially, or how did Germans respond mm. to this from the start, and how has yeah. that kind of progressed? How have you have you seen that? 
Yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, I think it's, um, it's an interesting case because in, in Germany, there seems to be um, uh, a division that's, I mean, we see it all over the world, of course, but um, it's, may, it, it may, it's maybe a bit more extreme in, in Germany. Um, so in the beginning, um, as you might recall, you know, the, uh, when this whole um, pandemic uh, thing started uh, and at the very beginning, um, people didn't take it seriously, right? In, um, in the, basically all over the world. Um, so it was just the right-wingers, you know, interestingly enough, <laughs> who at the beginning said, oh, close the borders, close the borders. You know? <laughs> right. Everyone was like, ah, no, we're not closing the borders, you know? <laughs> and then suddenly it, uh, it switched like that, right? So we, I mean, you all, we all remember that and, and suddenly it was lockdown and all that. And uh, so in Germany, um, at the very beginning, there there were like um, um, scientists who actually came out uh, and spoke against all of that and and put into question like the the deadliness, let's say, of 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 the of the coronavirus. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, these these were really like among the very first experts who who spoke out against all that. You know, it was uh, Dr. Wolfgang Wodak, for example, who. Um, is a was a member of parliament and a pretty pretty uh, well established in the whole um, you know health policy field and and things uh, and he actually um, went on the mainstream TV at the very beginning and and could make his arguments and uh, that went viral it was just a day or two before you know this this switch in the narrative happened and and then suddenly you no know, he was like you know formerly respected politician all that and suddenly was like a right-wing conspiracy theorist uh, nazi whatever you know um and there was also um uh, zusharit bhakti um uh, a professor uh, retired um, professor very very um uh, well established in academia as well um uh, and he he came also out um so and then these guys and, and there were a couple of others they um really connected uh, started connecting the dots so so that that was the one side you know which was interesting that it happened in in germany um and then uh, there was of course like the other you know marching order you know lockdown and uh, and all of that and uh, i think you know in in the beginning uh, my impression was that actually Germany maybe has learned a thing or two, you know, from the Nazi experience and, and the GDR experience. So they were more reluctant uh, than some other Western countries with, with the measures. Um, and uh, also they, um, you know, the courts, um, they did come, come out and, and rule against some of, some of the measures. Um, at least like in individual cases, you know, for example, if, if like people wanted to protest, you know, the city was um, uh, saying, no, you can't protest, you know, and then they went to court, the court said, of course, you can protest and, and things like that. So that happened a lot uh, in, in the beginning. And uh, so that shows that, or at least I thought at the time that shows that um, Jeremy is kind of aware of these, um, of these, um, you know, um, mechanisms that uh, played out, uh, you know, during the Nazi times as well, um, at the beginning of, of Hitler. And uh, 
so, but the, and I, I should also mention that uh, you know the German constitution and the the legal system and everything was uh, set up um, after the the Nazi experience uh, with a specific aim, you know, to um, yeah to to basically um, make it never happen again, you know, so to to. Uh, exclude any would-be dictator, you know, forever. I mean, it's just it's very specific, you know, the whole legal construct, the federalism and everything, it's all geared, you know, to to avoid something like that. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and then in the course of time, sadly, um, it shifted again. And uh, I think nowadays um, it's, uh, it's really worse in Germany than in many, many other places, um, <clears throat> I think. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we have uh, curfews and um, weird laws, you know, that um, basically um, do away with federalism um, and, and, and f concentrate control, you know, essentially. And uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy fear mongering. And, uh, and the worst part, because you see some of that in other countries too as well, but the, the worst part is that in, in civil society, it seems that people are really, really like following the line and it's a massive social control. And um, from what I've seen, it's, um, it's definitely worse than in other countries. Maybe there's still worse countries, but uh, I think Germany is, uh, is pretty, uh, pretty leading uh, in many respects uh, in terms of atmosphere and, and suppression and uh, um, and measures and stuff so it's it's really sad to witness you know how it went from from the beginning where you know it seemed as if um, people kind of remember oh there was something you know <laughs> um maybe we shouldn't do that again uh, to you know this kind of mass hypnose hypnotize or hypnosis uh, state um it's really it's really creepy and uh, Although you are in Germany, there's a strict rule. You are not allowed to compare anything with the Nazi time. You know, it's uh, mm. <laughs> it's a total no go. You know, um, uh, so that that's that's weird. You know, um, but uh, I mean, there clearly there uh, clearly there are parallels, and there is no doubt about that. Uh, um, at least um, you know it's the big it's uh, it's the beginning. You know, if if you read books about that time. Um, like Hafner's Defying Hitler and um, other, you know, autobiographies. Um, it's really, really similar to uh, what's what went down in the early stages of of Nazism. So I think that's fair to say. And how does that stuff hold up against the Constitution? You know, if the if the Constitution was written in such a way that it as specifically for preventing this kind of thing from happening again, is are there any is anybody fighting? Um, on a constitutional basis. Yeah, I mean, the many, many are. Um, and this brings us back, you know, to when we talked about the article. Um, the thing is, um, it's hard to argue um, with, you know, with, with legal arguments like um, <clears throat> from the constitution, if you cannot um, defend the substance, right? Uh, that, that's kind of like one of the issues. Um, because in the German constitution, for example, the the Article One is that um, the uh, what is it the um, 
human dignity is is untouchable you know untouchable in the sense of um irrevocable and like you know you can never touch it it's you know set in stone like the 10 commandments it's like above everything you know and mm. nobody nobody can even change the law it's you know that's just the basic premise um so as you can see it's above like uh, the right to life or something like that right it's just the premise that's you know, above everything. It doesn't even have legal limits. It's just, you know, the thing. Mm. <laughs> and obviously that was uh, done, you know, after the Hitler experience where you, um, I mean, the Nazis justified all kinds of stuff, you know, based on like um, the safety of, of the Volk and, and things like that. So um, the, the constitution says, no, it's nothing like that. You know, our highest value is human dignity. But, you know, how can you argue such a case like that um, if the whole of society is whipped, you know, up in a in a frenzy and um, and in panicking, and you know the media are um, fear mongering and all of that, it's you know, I mean, it would take a very very brave judge indeed, you know, to, mm. <laughs> um, to go against that. And 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 it's that's what I meant, you know, that it's hard to defend this position, you know, because uh, the media would just say, oh, look at this judge, you know, he's like. Uh, you know, arguing based on his uh, legal nonsense while people are dying, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but what happened was that, you know, the people were actually winning some cases, but it was like very locally and uh, very specific cases. And, uh, but the general tactic of the, you know, of the, of the courts was basically to sit it out. You know, there was one tactic just to not, uh, they, they just didn't, you know, um, tackle the cases that were brought before them mm. or if they did then only very superficially uh, and said okay we're going to deal with it later you know maybe in a year but for now we just had a brief look and it seems to be okay or something like that but uh, hardly any court um, actually discussed the, the the heart of the matter and uh, and the thing is also what what becomes apparent uh, in, or became apparent is that uh, there are like the highest judges they are kind of like colluding with the you know with the government so um, mm. that's um, I don't know you know what happens behind the scenes um, some of them just owe, owe some people in the government a favor you know maybe they owe their positions to them so in the lower courts there were some some nice um, uh, verdicts but um um, anything that would really like uh, stop this whole train wreck, <laughs> um, right. like in the higher courts, um, that just didn't happen. And uh, and that's a sad testament uh, to see because, I mean, you don't need to study law, you know, to see that all of that is completely unconstitutional on like 10 different levels at once. <laughs> it's like just obvious. And, uh, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's sad to see how... Um, let's say, how unrobust this whole system really was. I mean, and people forgot. People just forgot. You know, it's too long ago. It's Yeah. It, yeah. It's sad. <laughs> it definitely is. I mean, especially when you think of, like, Germany should know better, you know? It's basically like, uh, it seems like of all, all the countries, like, they're the closest to having experienced this type of march of totalitarianism um, to any other country. So it's, it really is kind of 
sad to see that I don't know if it's that people have forgotten or it's just that they are incapable of making the connection. You know, it's like, well, that was different. Yeah. You know, now now we have a pandemic. It's a, it's a different situation. When really at yeah. its, its fundamental core, it isn't a different situation at all. Yeah, and what people don't understand is, you know, that, um, I mean, even Hitler, you know, he, he didn't run around and, and say, oh, let's let's kill all the Jews. Are you with me? Right. You know, I right. mean, there was part, part of it, um, this, kind of anti-Semitism platform, of course, but uh, you don't um, like uh, win over people <laughs> with uh, such, uh, you know, such arguments. It's all, you know, about protecting the Germans, you know, from aggression or um, <clears throat> protecting the Germans from certain death um, and, and things like that. So it's always like the argument uh, of safety, or at least it, is, it was with the Nazis and with modern dictatorships. You know, in the past, it was maybe more um, like religious arguments that you could whip people into a frenzy with. Um, but uh, in modern times, it's always about safety. You know, it's always saving, say, the government saves you, basically. If, you know, let's go to war to, to, to save you. Let's uh, mm-hmm. plunder Europe, you know, to, to save you. Right. <laughs> so um, it's always the same narrative. And it's the same now. It's like, um, let's, you know, cripple our, you know, whole tradition and let's uh, um, uh, cripple everyone's freedoms to, to save people, right? Um, I mean, it's the same, it's all, always the same argument. Let's cripple freedoms to save you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's basically like the, the, the dictatorial, modern dictatorial argument in, in a nutshell. Um, I mean... And uh, but uh, I just to 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 defend the uh, the honor of, of Germans a bit. <laughs> um, what, what's actually interesting is that um, again you have this kind of split, right? So you have uh, the I mean this massive um, survey. I mean or how you say like atmosphere of pressure uh, to go along, and and so many people like really um, being hypnotized by this whole thing. Um, but you have also like. Um, I would say a sort of resistance movement um, that is actually pretty, pretty good. Um, mm. So you have many people, like maybe you've heard about, you know, um, Rainer Füllmich. Um, it's the the lawyer who wants to like sue everyone uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for for the Corona uh, thing. Um, and to be honest, I don't think he he will be successful, you know, on, on a on a big in the big picture, but. Um, but he's actually, I mean, what, what he and, and all and, and they are doing is, is pretty great because they're networking, right? So they're coming together um, with all kinds of experts. They have these massive um, uh, like uh, videos where they talk like for hours with, um, you know, they invite different experts and, and kind of look at the, the issues from all kinds of angles. It's, it's pretty, pretty good stuff. Um, so they, they have like a whole spectrum of experts and, and they listen to everybody and uh, they learned like tons of things in <laughs> within a very short time. And, and there are many um, like that. And, and so far, I think, um, I mean, there are always like crazy elements in, in every movement and, um, and I'm sure also violent people, but uh, for the most part, um, I'm pretty impressed with um with uh, with what what has developed you know in this alternative space in in germany it's a very intelligent uh, discussion um mm-hmm. very nuanced very detailed um 
and so far um, not not too many crazies and not too much you know agent provocateur or something like that um <clears throat> Uh, so they it's 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 that's the good aspect of it you know um that uh, those who who can see they they really um and there are quite a few of them in in germany and they're really on top of their their game and and really good, doing a good job have there been many protests like actual on the street people out there yeah yeah um so they they've now they completely have, you know crushed crushed it so basically it's not allowed um so you you just have no way short of like confronting the police um so it's really in that sense it's it's quite um yeah i mean anti-democratic you know where to put it mildly <laughs> but um uh there, there actually were like very big protests and some of them really um really interesting um like the one in, in leipzig for example was uh a, like a lot a lot of people and very peaceful and everyone like um was holding candles and stuff and uh, uh, so very um impressive pictures as well and um and uh, th there were many many of those actually and and they again i think they uh, they were well done you know not not violent um even though there was some minuscule violence you know there was then blown up Uh, out of all proportions in the media, of course, um, to to say, oh, it's all a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> it's just incredible. Right. You know, you have, you have like a, a huge, you know, group of hippies, you know, basically like uh, <laughs> playing guitar and singing like peace songs. And and and, and then that's the Nazis, you know, it's, it's just uh, <laughs> mind-boggling <laughs> how they try to frame it. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, so you you had quite a quite a bit of that, actually. And this, um, the Corona Committee, right? I was very interested yeah. when I came across that, that website. They've put together a lot of resources and, um, and a lot of interviews and things as well with some real experts on the topic. Uh, and it's headed, from what I could see, correct me if I'm wrong, it's headed by four pretty high-profile lawyers and attorneys, right? This... Um, This yeah, uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? Corona Ausschuss. Ausschuss, yeah. So Auschus. it basically means committee. Yeah, Ausschuss. Um, yeah, so uh, it's headed by the Viviane Fischer, who is um, um, he, she. I think she used to be a lawyer. I'm not sure if she pr uh, practiced uh, when she started. I mean, I think just occasionally. Um, um, and. Uh, Yeah, and, and two other lawyers, I think, and Rainer Füllmich, um, he's kind of like the most high profile or the highest profile guy of the bunch because he, um, you know, def uh, like uh, was involved in the whole VW um, uh, scandal with the diesel stuff. And I think also um, he sued banks and, you know, I mean, really like um, very big cases. Um, And he's also um, partly living in the U.S. and, and also practicing um, law there. So uh, yeah, and they, what they actually achieved was also to f like get this whole network together. So they have um, like lawyers all over the world that they're working with, and they'll um, 
uh, involved with the uh, uh, RFK Junior and and the Children Defense or Children Alliance. Children's so, Health Defense. Uh, children's Health Defense, right? So. Yeah. Um, they're involved with them, so they, they really formed like a, a, a nice international network. Uh, that's that's really that's what I meant with you know like the good the good stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, that's going on in in Germany too, and uh, and it's uh, interesting that they really started piecing together all kinds from all kinds of angles. You know what 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 really goes on, and uh, um, it's yeah they they had a total crash course in 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 everything <laughs> like from conspiracy theory to like the um, details of molecular biology to um you know psychology and uh, history and everything i mean they had like tons of experts like on every front and and listened to those guys for for like hours you know <laughs> so it's it's really it's a it's an interesting story yeah and do you think that they will have any success? Uh, yes and no. Um, so I think no. Uh, it, I, people shouldn't like um, get their hopes up, you know, because of you know, filmage is is kind of like the um, like a bulldozer lawyer ki- lawyer kind of guy, you know. I mean, the guy you want to have as a lawyer, basically. <laughs> so um, I can imagine like he she is really good. Um, but uh, he, you know that also um, leads him maybe to make some promises that are a bit over the top. Um, I'm not sure that you know if we we will see a Nuremberg trial uh, with Fauci and and gang you know um, thrown into prison or whatever. I, I'm I'm not I don't see that for the moment. It's just not happening. And and. Uh, I mean, what is a court, you know, somewhere, even if it's all like uh, the case is watertight, I mean, should, can a court um, just end a worldwide, uh, I don't know, like totalitarian takeover, just a judge somewhere? I mean, I, I, I don't see that really at, at, uh, at the moment, but um, uh, but I'm, I think they might uh, win, like on a smaller scale, some cases, um, and they're they're active in all kinds of fields, right? It's not like this one big um, lawsuit. They they they're suing like everyone left and right, and helping people who sue people, and so and there are actually many cases. I'm sure they they won and they will win, you know, in individual cases, and and also maybe a bit higher up. But uh, they won't end the the whole thing, so that's that's uh, for sure. Um, and also, as I said, I think um, oftentimes, you know, if you if you do things like that, like they are doing, uh, there there are unexpected side effects or or benefits that maybe you didn't even foresee. And I think in in this case, it's just um, the network they they formed. I mean, that's just really powerful stuff. Um, the alliances um, and and what they were able to figure out, like uh, uh, talking to to all these experts, um, so that's uh, that thing. I think something very very valuable that could um, help us all down the line. Yeah. Interesting. You did. You sent me a, an article actually that was about a mm-hmm. verdict. Um, from Weimar. Um, yeah, ironically. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, maybe maybe you could give us uh, some of the details on that because I thought it was very interesting. 
Yeah, so as I said, um, the courts, for the most part, they stubbornly refused, you know, dealing with um, the meat of, of the issue, right? So hearing all evidence, you know, um, how many, uh, like, people were really hospitalized uh, with COVID and what, uh, how many hospitals were actually, like, full, you know, justifying the first lockdown and like the how many deaths and, and all of that. I mean, all, all of these things, um, they, they were never like really um, discussed in court because uh, in Germany, um, you, you, it usually takes a year at least until you get a court decision, unless it's really, really urgent. But then um, you, it's called Eilantrag. So you, you basically uh, make your case, you, you tell the, the court it's super urgent. Um, so I want to do that, but then the court doesn't have to look at like all the evidence and stuff. They just, you know, have a brief look and, and, and then decide and, and then it will, the real um, case will be discussed then later, like the, 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 with all the evidence and stuff. So that, that means that there was basically no way that stuff was brought to the court and, and the courts just, you know, set it out for the most part, but um you know, people are creative. Um, and uh, in this case, like with the Weimar judge, um, it was about um, children uh, and the, the risks uh, that children are exposed to in schools because of the measures. So uh, parents sued uh, and said there's an immediate danger for children. And it's the same kind of uh, legal uh, like law that that is applied, for example, if there's abuse in a family and, and the authorities take out the child, right, from the, from the family. So it's um, because the stakes are so high, um, then the, pr the procedure is, is, is pretty fast. Mm. Um, they, they basically are forced to, to deal with the case, right? Because if a, a child is in danger, that's considered like, okay, we, we, we must do something. And so that's the same legal basis as... Um, uh, yeah, like it's called, um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, da uh, danger for, for, for children, basically. Um, and uh, so that's how this case came before the court. And uh, the judge actually had to hear um, various experts and the, um, those who, who made the case, uh, they had like excellent, you know, critical experts and apparently they convinced like the court like in every point <laughs> and uh, the uh, and the defense was just completely useless they didn't even try you know because it was a lost cause you know? <laughs> and um and so the judge i mean i suspect i'm not sure but i suspect that like, the judge must have been critical himself before i mean because he pretty much wrote a massive verdict where he said it's it's all BS, you know, and gave all the evidence, and we must uh, uh, totally um, forbid the school to put in place any measure. And so that was the result of the verdict. So the school was—I mean, only this specific school, not like in whole Germany or something. Only this specific school—it um, was forbidden to put in place any measure whatsoever. You know, it uh, was just you know completely gone. <laughs> and uh, so obviously. Uh, uh, some people got really mad at that verdict um, and the, the next higher court then basically um, took it back. 
Mm. Uh, and declared that the court wasn't even responsible for it. So now there's a big legal dispute in Germany uh, over the question, is a court responsible, is the, is, because it's a family court that ruled this, uh, is a family court uh, responsible in this kind of situation? And uh, uh, it's pretty clear that legally, I mean, it, they are responsible, but now like there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, pressure, um, to deny that actually it's to, to make it so that this that family courts cannot decide on a matter like this um, because this is kind of a wild card there are many many family courts and uh, they could really like uh, end the measures yeah <laughs> you know so they 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 try really to um yeah to to yeah discourage them or, or make it impossible um so the next um, yeah, so first of all, that was uh, sacked, uh, the verdict. But the worst part is that um, after that, there was actually the, the, the judge got persecuted. Um, so the, um, the persecutor's office um, basically uh, came after him uh, for some, you know, allegation uh, or, or how you say, like... Um, uh, yeah, they accused him of um, bending the law or some something like that, and and then they seized his home. Uh, they searched his home, you know, took his smartphone, his uh, computers, and everything. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's clearly like um, you know, just uh, make an example. Uh, so this yeah. will happen even to a judge. I mean, that's pretty incredible, right? I mean. Uh, judges in Germany are again because of all the Nazi stuff. You know they are highly protected legally, so they they are completely independent. Uh, you know they they actually not. It's yeah, but we're living in times. You know that even a judge um, is not safe. You know, yeah. <laughs> if he says the wrong thing, it's crazy. Yeah. And and if that doesn't remind you of, of of you know the beginning of the of the Nazi era, I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. That's precisely how it all begins. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I thought that story was crazy. Um, that the judge was there anything beyond him just having his house searched and stuff like that, and his smartphone taken away and things confiscated like um, were there any charges pressed or anything like that or yeah there were charges pressed but i'm not, i don't think they went anywhere but um mm. i'm not sure i mean i maybe i haven't followed the latest uh, development of this story but um i mean but of course they what they can do and what they will probably do is just draw it out draw i mean draw the process out and um you can make someone really miserable even uh if like in two years, he wins his case, right? It's uh, right. It's it's a pretty mean tactic. Um, yeah, and it seems it's obvious that the 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 point of it was intimidation, you know. Yeah. And sending a message to any other family court judges, like, don't try this, or even to any judge at all, right? Right. Uh, because right. the judges still have uh, they're kind of a wild card in this whole game. I think the the highest judges in the supreme court the, the the boss or the 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 president of of the the um, supreme court is actually um a, a guy who was in merkel's party and she brought him in like two years ago three years ago and this was a scandal back then because he's so close to merkel mm -hmm. um so and he now is like 
basically like in line. But there are still many other judges that could make a difference. And I think they're trying to intimidate them for sure. Right. And that's pretty creepy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know we are coming up on our time here. Elliot, did you have any other questions at all for Luke? Um, yeah. Hmm. I guess it's probably something that you might not be able to answer. <laughs> but but I guess I'm just curious, what, what do you see happening in the near future? You know, what, what, <clears throat> how, what, what do you think the prospects are for the German people? Do you think that... Because I know that we were talking about you. You were you were when I asked previously. Do you think that the whether the Corona Committee will be kind of successful in what they're trying to do? And you said, well, there's there's various ways that you could kind of look at that and define the word success, right? Maybe not in the way that we would like to see, but in some other kind of uh, non-linear or indirect fashion, right? Now, mm. I guess I'm curious, you as a German, how do you think that they will continue to, le- to, to to tow the kind of global party line, right? Do you think that they will branch off at some point? Um, and um, uh, how to say this? Do you think they will continue on the path that they're currently on? Or do you think there might be some change in the future whereby the uh, the authorities in Germany... Um, take a, a a different stance to, say, the majority of Western Europe. An example being the UK yeah. or the US. I don't don't see that happening. To be honest, I don't think so. Um, I think uh, we should probably get used to it that we are indeed in um, at least at the beginning of a Nazi type thing going on. And I think that uh, people uh, can underestimate this. Uh, so many people think they can still, you know, change something by protesting um, and um, or in the courts. Um, and I, I don't want to say that this isn't valuable, um, but uh, I think we should realize that it's it's uh, we are at a point now where. We can read Sebastian Hafner's book and and kind of see the the, the blueprint, and um, it is going to get worse, I think, um, because they they really need to to put more pressure on people to keep the lid on on this whole thing, and uh, and now they're going after judges, and they're going after famous professors, they're going after like I mean whoever, and it's it's really it's really. Uh, yeah, it's it's not not a good situation, and it, I fear it will will only get worse. And it actually might be a good idea to review a bit of the literature from previous totalitarian experiences and uh, um, and the Nazi time uh, to to get some ideas on on how to deal with with all of that. Uh, and uh, and there are some clues. I mean. Um, yes, there were like the guys from the the White Rose, right, who got themselves killed uh, in a heroic effort to defy Hitler. But that's obviously like not for everyone. And um, the thing is, what I mean, 
yeah, what, what, what can you do under these conditions? And uh, I can only say um, that the way I deal with it is uh, to focus a bit more on, on, on my humanity, right? The, what we talked about in the beginning, the, the dignity part of it, because that's what they're stripping away. It's, it's really about that. Um, and, uh, and there, there are various ways to basically keep sane and, and do uh, not you know, be enslaved to the news cycle, even the alternative media news cycle 24 seven and do you know, other beautiful things um, and, uh, and try to, yeah, keep the humanity alive because that's the ultimate, uh, what, what's at stake, I think. And, and you can see that in, during the Nazi time as well. I mean, um, the, the biggest danger is losing your soul. Um, and, uh, and that's probably a good idea to start thinking about that um, because uh, we're at that point. Any, uh, once again and um, yeah so um, let's try to keep keep strong and uh, focus on the on the beautiful aspect and uh, um, and learning and whatever interests us um, I think that's that's probably the right spirit and that might at the in the end have then some good consequences as well who knows um, because uh, I can see that too in, in Germany that there are various groups forming, right? Some even like form communities and stuff um, or do all kinds of projects uh, where they basically want to meet sane people <laughs> and uh, and have uh, basically, a, um, as I say, preserve their souls, preserve their human dignity. And that's an interesting development that, um, that could... Uh, could lead to something positive. Um, I'm reminded sometimes that you know Stephen King's The Stand, <laughs> where where there's uh, this apocalyptic scenario, and then you have like two groups, you know, of, like the evil and the good, and uh, and they flock to their you know respective leaders, and it's kind of like a, a divide. Uh, and uh, sometimes I'm I'm a bit reminded of of that. It's maybe not. Uh, about open resistance uh, in a heroic, you know, self-sacrificial effort, although it might be for some, um, but uh, like how most Germans during the Nazi time who actually managed to preserve their souls, they, they did it like uh, quietly and uh, with the uh, people they knew and, and trusted and, um, and tried to preserve their sanity. Yeah, um, that's really excellent advice there. Um, one thing that our listeners might be interested in is you briefly mentioned, you touched upon um, how you thought it might be a good idea for people to learn about, study some of the literature, read some of the books about previous totalitarian um regimes how they operate how what the initial signs are what the kind of progression is what have you found is there any particular books or writing or anything else resources that you think that you would you would say are a, a good kind of introduction to that for our listeners anything that you think might help um yeah so i 
I like um, uh, autobiographies uh, because to me it uh, it it makes the whole thing a bit more um, more concrete and more palpable um, than let's say academic books um, that kind of like try to dissect uh, what what went on although that's that's important too so. Um, as I mentioned already um, Sebastian Hafner's Defying Hitler, um, which is really, 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 uh, it's a short and it's just an awesome book. I, I, I think everyone uh, should read it who, who has the chance. Um, it's, uh, it can, I think it does an amazing job in showing what might be, what, what we might have in common with the beginning of the Nazi time and what also where there might be differences um so it's just an an awesome book and uh yeah so that's one um i'm in terms of autobiographies it's usually like um kind of like part you know the nazi experience is part of a wider autobiography of uh so that that's a bit hard to to give a recommendation um what else? Um, there's, of course, political neurology mm-hmm. uh, by Andrew Lobachevsky. So you, you guys are familiar with that, uh, which is more like written from, a, uh, from the perspective of the communist experience. But there are, of course, like um, it, it's very similar dynamics um, that are going on. And especially, and I think you see it in Hafner's book, but also in political pornology, this hypnotizing effect. That's just so interesting. And we can see clearly how it works out today, where, uh, you know, it, when Hitler came to power, everyone was laughing about him. No one was taking him seriously, really. And it was like, um, people went on about their lives, you know, and then it's, they said, like, oh, okay, maybe maybe a, a few Nazi flags um, here and there. I don't like it, but, you know, whatever. And it's the same thing, like, with the masks, you know, at the beginning, like, oh, okay, it's just a mask, you know, whatever. And then as as the thing goes on, um, you get into this total hysteria and uh, and hypnotized state. And, and that played, played out in, in both during communism and and Nazism, Nazism, that's for sure. So, so that's another uh, great book. Um, and other than that, I would really, um, if you if you like that sort of thing, um, try to to read the classics, uh, both the um, like the literature, like in Germany, it's it's Goethe, and you know, in, in the English world, it's Shakespeare and 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 things like that, uh, and also the philosophers. Um, not all of those. People are, are are very difficult or like strange if you're not and you don't need to be trained or anything. So uh, to to again um, kind of recapture this foundation, this this uh, foundation of civilization and uh, the 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 fundamental value values and and, and to think about those uh, to it really I found it it really strengthened me um, reading these kinds of things like just deeper human things <laughs> that uh, move you away from this completely crazy uh, uh, thinking that has taken over humanity and just like that. So, so that's, that's would be like my, <laughs> my tip. Mm. 
Well, we are coming up on our time here, so I think that's going to be it for today. Thanks very much for joining us, Luke. That was a very uh, fascinating discussion. No, thank you for having me. And thanks to our viewers as well. We'll be back uh, next week with another uh, show for you. Be sure to like and subscribe, um, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.